Welcome everyone to the At the Coffee Table podcast. This podcast discusses a variety of different topics. We go everywhere from public safety to business to personal development. And most of the world's problems are usually solved in different areas of the world around a coffee table. Today I'd like to introduce and welcome Paul Cousins, who's a retired deputy chief from Syracuse Fire Department. Paul uh, has spent a majority of what the last 30 years in the fire in EMS? Yes. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us. So, Paul is a, a mentor and a friend and a gentleman I've known for pretty much my entire life since I was a very young person. Um, and I wanted to do this podcast today um, based on a conversation him and I have had just recently on the uh, fire service past, present, and future, which is kind of ironic because I was just reading an article yesterday and I believe it was Fire Rescue Magazine online um, where there was an article that was written about the fire service past, present, and future where the author was discussing um, the fire service from his grandfather's days to his father's days to his career in the fire service and, and the change that it's gone through uh, over that probably a three or four decade um, uh, time frame. So I wanted to um, kind of jump off here with Paul, you've, it's like that commercial. I know a lot cause I've seen a lot and uh, I just wanted to um, kind of get your thoughts on the fire service that you joined, you worked in and how you left it when you uh, went into retirement? Well, it was certainly different. Uh, 30 years ago, uh, you went to the academy and you learned what you needed to know, the basics. That's pretty similar today. And then you go to the firehouse and you get assigned a person that's gonna help you achieve your goals and be successful. And that's really the goal, even today, to be successful. and and not to fail. Um, and today it's a little bit different. Uh, people blame that on generational issues like uh, millennials. Millennials aren't necessarily the problem. It's people don't know how to deal with them. And, and there needs to be guidelines and rules and people join an organization because it's a good organization and there are rules. I mean, a lot of people complain too many rules, too many requirements, but good organizations have rules and have requirements. And millennials have a difficult time having rules because they don't have many rules before this. Yeah, and with that, I've noticed, and, and I've kind of stepped out of the fire service for a number of years now, but I noticed before, I left that um, we went from a very um, service-based, organizational-based thought process and planning process to, you know, you started having staff or, or members that were, well, what's in it for me? And, you know, you couldn't accomplish a task or a project without considering, you know, what's in it for me. I, I you know, I, the, the millennial thing aside, I know, Millennials, if they're, if they're engaged properly, 
they'll work harder than most of the people standing around them. The thing is, is that they want to know what the, the, end, the end goal is, what's the end game. And they want to know up front because we live in, an, in a kind of a world of instant gratification. And that's what we typically deal with, I think, is that instant gratification. But if that's not there, then it, you know, you lose the ambition, you lose the participation. That's very true. Uh, certainly a person, any person really needs to know, why am I doing this? What's the outcome? What, what's in it for me is, is kind of okay. Yeah. But really what's in it for you is more work. Um, the fire service itself is, is pretty simple. Uh, you go to work, regardless of the shift, regardless of if you are a volunteer or you're a career person, you go to work. When, when the bell hits or the siren blows or whatever alerting tone you have, you're expected to go to work right. and instantly go to work, not think about it, not, not plan. And that's the emergency medical services. That, that's the hardest part to add to the fire service. When I came on, nobody wanted to do EMS mm -hmm. until they realized they were really learning EMS for each other. That's what helped promote that because really people learn to take care of one another and that's the fire service as well. We take care of our brothers and sisters. And if you can do that medically, you can do that because of training. You can do that because of your drills. People want to be able to count on you regardless of how many days or years you have in a company. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think everybody has something to bring to the table, no matter if they have, if they're the rookie with a year or less, or if they're the, the seasoned veteran that that's been there 25. Um, I, you know, it's True. good to, it's Some good people to have more to offer than others. Um, right. Right. And, and, and really, uh, you know, I have always, when we got a new guy and I was a company officer, the new guy is one quarter. If you're lucky enough to have four people in an engine company, wherever you work, the new guy is one quarter of that company, nothing right. less. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always, I always embrace that, that every situation was a learning situation and that's for everyone. So like you said, that, that, that rookie is the one quarter of that entire company. So how did that entire company perform and what, what can be learned from every call that you go on? It could be EMS call or otherwise. Um, that's really what 30 years in the fire service and EMS does for you. It gives you that many learning experiences. It doesn't make you any better or any worse than anybody. Right. I, I've just had the opportunity to have many more learning opportunities and, and many of them have not been successful. I was just, uh, I was having a couple of conversations here recently to, uh, some younger guys that are still in the fire service that I had the opportunity to train. And it, it was, it was refreshing to see that they were still taking the things that we trained them, the um, culture that we brought to them, the motivation and sense of, of organization. It was good to see that they were still for the most part embracing that. Um, I think where sometimes that falls short is, you, you know, you, you, you build that foundation. Um, 
but what are they getting in the meantime when the people that helped them build their their knowledge base foundation are, are no longer there um because realistically fake it till you make it i, I found in the fire service yeah. gets it gets very dangerous and it really doesn't have a place there no and it certainly doesn't today because we're doing a lot more with fewer individuals you know staff is cut down or again wherever you work career department staff is cut to a minimum and if it hasn't been it will be in the volunteer sector uh, we have problems people making alarms and people showing up right and then they just walk off after you have 30 years and then you just walk off into the sunset with all of your knowledge and experience and you don't get to pass that on anymore and i i think that's that's a problem and it's going to continue to be a problem you know we frequently say it'll never be as good as i did it you know the older people when i came on said the same thing about me you know we i was young and didn't know anything and you know and i would never make well i've been very fortunate to uh, have great jobs and, and great careers and great friends because of the fire service i don't think there's anything better Absolutely, hundred percent. And uh, you know, I I think back to the, you know, how I was kind of brought up in this business, and it was from the you know the days where I mean, you were you were still in our volunteer fire department. There was a number of guys that had a work ethic that I, I have yet to see replicated. And we come from the days of, you know, being a firefighter, police officer. It was um, a noble job profession to go into and career or volunteer you know i noticed i mean the volunteer fire service those those um lines are dwindling those those personnel you know the the membership lines are, are dwindling but what i wanted to ask you was you know talking to some of the, of the career police officers within the city of syracuse you notice they hit their 20 they're gone and trying to recruit new new police officers has been a challenge and they don't get the recruitment numbers that they used to. Do you find that's the same thing with the fire department and the fire service? They're not getting the recruitment numbers they used to? Um, well, certainly the, the career side of this, they're getting the recruitment numbers. Uh, you know, a thousand people take the exam all the time. Okay. And then several people, several groups don't make it because the requirements are pretty stringent. But once they're in, um, they, they need to be encouraged to stay in right. and part of, part of the retirement thing today and the near whatever it is, tier six, uh, people don't make any more money for staying longer than 20 years. Right. And that used to be a bit of an incentive um, for people to stay longer. You, you made more money and you could uh, have a increased income for your retirement. That was an incentive. And sometimes just belonging was the incentive, but now it's just, it's too hard. Um, right. You know, so retirement wise and the police, at least where I've worked, the, the police have the same kind of retirement system, 20 years and you're done. Right. And you don't make any more money. And every, every police officer that I know works somewhere else. They never really retire. It's true. 
That is true. You know, they, they've all kind of branched out to school security and consulting and um, God, God knows what else, you know, I've seen some um, police officers that I know they left the job here in the North. They moved down to warmer weather and started another career because they're only in their mid forties. They started another career in police work down, down South. That's right. As I look outside and it's 11 degrees. Right. Right. Why would you do that? Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, the, the job changes, the, the people change, um, you know, the, the, the mission ultimately stays the same, but the, the mode to get there, to get to accomplish the mission, I, I've seen change. I mean, technology is just, uh, even in the last, what, 10 or 15 years, technology has just boomed within public safety and, and the fire service alone. Um, part of the article that I was reading yesterday, you know, you went from sketching out your pre-plans freehand and putting them in a map book. In the map book, you went into on every call, no matter if it was a pre-plan or trying to find a fire hydrant, you went into the map book. Now everything's on a tablet and it's, it's instant. That's exactly right. And you don't have to really do anything. When you get the alarm, it's, it's on a laptop and it's in the front seat and it's, it's in the back seat. And people have instant uh, awareness of what they're going to. And some of that is the problem. Uh, you don't get instant ability to do situational awareness. That, that you have to learn and that you have to be very, very good at. Part of the reason we're not staying too is society. You, you mentioned it was a noble profession. It still is, but, but people don't respect each other like they used to. No. So when a police officer or a firefighter came to your door, uh, they got respect and they were treated accordingly. And now that's not true. Um, there's a, a large number of people that want to harm us. Yeah, you know, it, it's no doubt when fire, police, EMS, they, they go to a call, you know, it's somebody's worst day, or at least potentially somebody's worst day. And, you know, their reactions are their reactions. But when, yeah, that respect level is at an all-time low and anybody they come into contact with is not moving quick enough to improve their entirely bad day, um, that usually results in, you know, whatever they face. And it turns these, what used to be um, maybe routine for the lack of better words to something that's a little bit more extreme or intense. It, it's very easy to escalate a, an alarm or make it worse than it already is. And I, I think people need to know that most of society is good and most of society cares that you're there and most respect and 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 I think they're they're thankful that people are there it's become an expectation however regardless of where you live or where you're driving or whatever you do people expect 911 the police EMS and the fire service to be there right now yep and some of us have enjoyed uh, an urban setting. Some of us have enjoyed a, a rural setting. And those expe expectations may be too high for a response, depending on where you live. 
Yeah, you know, that's that's 100 percent. I think, one, you know, one of the, the calls that I used to run or run into or listen to interact with when I was working 911 was you get somebody that's having their bad day and they're there. They want police fire EMS there right now. And that's all they can. They don't want to answer questions. They just want them there right now. And, you know, we used to have to tell them, you know, they have to drive there. So answering the answering what I'm asking you is not holding up them driving there, but they still have to drive to where they are. <clears throat> right. Um, and it's, it, I don't think the general public, although the general public wouldn't even be listening to this, they don't understand the amount of training that it takes to be an EMS or fire professional. Right. Certainly a police officer. Right. Um, it, it takes continued, dedicated training uh, throughout your career. You don't just learn it once in the academy and that's it. I mean, firehouse doors are closed and people think, there's nothing going on there. But if it's a good firehouse and a good fire department, there's constant training. That's how people are good. Yeah. And if there isn't constant training, I don't think people want to belong to an organization like that. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I used to see that, you know, you would get or we would get um, better engagement if they, the crew, the staff, the members would be um, constantly challenged to train. And, and the more training they got, the better participation you got, the more engagement you got. It, it, I think that things got very lax when you're just sitting around and you just didn't feel like doing it today. That, um, that's but, right. And the trainers are like that too. People go to a couple of drills and they're, they're less than adequate. They're not going to go again. You know, the trainers and people who are responsible for the, for the education of firefighters and EMS, I mean, that's what I know. Those people need to be engaged. They need to be dynamic. They need yep. to believe in what they're teaching. Right. And that's how you keep people. Make me want to come back to your drill. Yeah. I can remember thinking, you know, or even saying that anyone can click and read through a PowerPoint. Anyone can do that. Um, but what are you doing at the end of this PowerPoint? How are you engaging your people to learn what you just attempted to lecture them on? Um, scrolling through and reading through a PowerPoint for, for adults, that's just, that's going to go on and not even sink in. So, you know, what, what are you doing to reinforce what you were just attempting to lecture on? People need to go out and do exactly what they're going to do. They need to practice like they play. They need to practice even though it's cold out. Yep. All right. So the drill is shortened because it's cold, but we still need to know how to function in the weather that we live in and the environment that we live in. It, it's not acceptable to sit at a table and say, I would do this. Mm -hmm. This is how you would use this tool, or this is how this patient's going to present. You can change up drills and, and exercises all day long, in reality, we need to know how to move people in the cold. We need to know that the cold and the environment are factors in helping people. Yep. I used to love that question. You know, hey, it's snowing out. Are we really going to still do training? Well, yeah, we still get calls in the, in the snow and the cold. So, yes, we're still going to do training. True. But, but they do need to be shortened. Right, you know, right. Those yeah. other extremes, too, where, where company officers want to 
belabor this and take people out much longer than they need to be out. Right. Yeah. Oh, sure. There's, there's a delicate balance there, you know, from, from 10 degrees and snowing to hundred degrees and sweltering heat, you know, you, you, you factor that in, you balance that. Um, it, but you make it, you make it worth. even if it's a shorter period of time, you make that short period of time worthwhile to everyone. And the reward is that we all can function together and we're good. This is no different than a sports team, right? They, they practice and they practice and they get better. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have winning seasons and sometimes they have losing seasons. Not an option for the fire service. Yeah. But not an option not to show up. Right. Yeah. Which, which is a whole nother. <laughs> we, we could do hours on, is it okay not to show up? Right. And it, it, yeah, you know, and that just not to go into the career versus volunteer, but the volunteer fire service is what it is. And um, these days they're, they're having a difficult time. There's no, there's no two ways about it. They're having a difficult time. And when folks and you know, it's tougher, it's, it's more difficult to, to volunteer, you know, when families and, and, and the parents of families are working two and three jobs to, to better their family. And, you know, it's tough to run out the door every time you get a call to your phone or a pager goes off. Um, you know, I can remember being a 20 year old firefighter and every time the minute or activated, it was run out the door. It doesn't matter if it was one time a day or 11 times during the day, you know, you went to every single one. Well, it's difficult for managing adults now to do that. And it's long past the time for the volunteer fire service to reinvent itself. And it's just like you said, it's not acceptable to go, you know what, I, I'm going to pick and choose when I show up unless that framework is there so the calls are covered because people are scheduling their time and picking and choosing when they're going to show up that's right and and really if anybody uh, is serious about doing this a volunteer or career you have to staff apparatus right otherwise all the training and all your education and everything doesn't really matter to that person like you said having their worst day yeah, hundred percent. If nobody comes. Yep, and unfortunately, that's that's just it's happening more and more as we go into this new decade. Um, you know that it's nobody's. You know it, when you when you're trying to send five and six fire departments to an alarm bell uh, just to get somebody to go. Um, you know that's that's an issue. Well, there, there's an there, issue needs to be addressed. That's that's right, and there's many things that contribute to that. Um, false alarms, too many people going on an alarm anyway, but that, that's been going on forever. Sure. And you don't need much apparatus on a small alarm. And certainly in a, I mean, we could go on and on and on. There's many reasons that people get tired of answering alarms that they're really not needed at. And the other thing, certainly in this county and region the minute that there's a fire regardless of how big it is it seems that that is an eight-hour event right so i'm gonna go and i'm gonna do things and i'm gonna spend and waste my time at an event i don't have to be at clear the scene let people go that aren't needed 
there, there are so many things and consolidation is right on our doorstep and many people have their own opinions of that. <laughs> the nasty voodoo word. And, well, it, we, we need to come up with a way to do better than we're doing. Yeah. There are many volunteer organizations in, in Maryland that have a waiting list for people to belong to them. Yep. They're bigger, they're county-based, they're regional-based, and you know what? They answer alarms and they get out. That, yeah. that would be my biggest problem if I were an administrator of a municipality and people did not answer an alarm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of where we're at now. Um, and, you know, we created this three-headed monster and it's time to figure out how to slay it, so to say. Um, but yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. Where, where do you see, where do you see the service going forward into this ne next decade? I, I see it reinventing itself, like you mentioned, Yeah, because it needs to be different. It, it needs to, it needs to work. And I think if we have a collaboration of people, not just administrators, not just fire chiefs, but youngsters, new people, firefighters, fire explorers. And in, in the agency we belong to, the fire explorers are very active. Yeah. That's the future Yeah, right there. And we have the ability to either encourage them to stay and get them jazzed about this or encourage them to leave because we don't get them excited. Yeah, that's absolutely, you know, building up that that future pool of, of candidates to, to take over where, you know, some of us left off. Um, and it helps, it helps boost the ranks. Um, I know this small fire department in Minnesota, upper Minnesota, that's struggling, struggling for people. And one of the ideas they took is creating an explorer program to get, you know, teenage, teenage kids jazzed up about the fire service in hopes that they continue on when they're 18, 19, 20 years old, um, to, to help bolster the ranks of this, this small, uh, you know, fire department. And I think that that's true all over the country. That is right. And, and depending on where you live, that could be easier. That, that could present some challenges in itself. It, right. You know, a, a very few people are going to do this for a, a short period of time until they get tired or they're unable to do this. In some places, the uh, uh, compensated folks, you know, they have uh, volunteers and compensated folks working together. Yep. But that works in some places and it really doesn't work in others. Yeah. Um, and then I think we need to go back to really why are we doing this? Frequently egos get in our way of, of providing good rational thoughts on how to make this better right kind of see that in the government yeah yeah unfortunately um yeah because there's departments out there that i know of a department that i spoke to the chief and and he created a model where his um you know he has full-time staff that works during the day but he has on-call paid he calls them volunteers but they're on-call paid staff that respond on the off hours and there's some that that work that that respond during the day to supplement the, the full-time staff um but they have you know three stations they have 100 members 
and they have a waiting list and that they target, they not only target young firefighters, but they target the, the 30 plus year old people that maybe their kids a little older, maybe they have some more time and they wouldn't mind a part-time job riding fire engine. Um, that's a, that's a model that New York state has yet to look at. That's right. And when we talk about compensation, it isn't like you're going to make a living doing that. Um, right. You know, those those part-time folks, that's, that's kind of just a, an incentive to take the sting away. Yeah. But really, I think when people volunteer and when people say they're going to do something, they, they do it because of inner uh, responsibility to their community. Right. That, there's still a whole lot of that. We look at Northern New York and, and the people that constantly volunteer up there. Right. And their numbers are dwindling because people are moving. Right. There's so many reasons for, for why we can't staff like we used to. Right. And we just need to rethink that. I yeah. think we can do it. I think we have to do it. Uh, you know, we're not, Nobody pays attention to the little tragedies where response times are longer than they need to be. Uh, we didn't get out. Uh, it's been a while since we've done that. I, I remember reinventing this a little bit when we came up with the five-minute rule that you, you had to respond within five minutes right. or somebody else is going to. Right. And now that's commonplace. That. Nobody has a real problem with that anymore. But right. I can tell you, when, when we brought that up, people had a lot of problems. <laughs> a lot of pushback. Yeah. You know, how... And you wouldn't think so. You know? No. Fires and people are kind of the same. In four minutes, it's pretty much going one way or another. And, and that, that five-minute rule was created 15 years ago, and that was just the start of some of the issues that have been, that have been dwindling since. Well, uh, on that note, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I think we, we've touched on a lot of different subjects. And like you said, we could pick each one and talk for hours on each, on each subject and, and, and bullet point there. But Paul, I appreciate your time today and, and sitting on this, this podcast and uh, discussing, you know, just uh, like we were around a coffee table and discussing some of the issues that and, you know, past, present and future where the fire service is going. I thanks for having me. I hope that this encourages people to at least get out and talk with other right. folks. Uh, we can't just sit on this and let it go because it it won't be what we what it is today. Oh, absolutely. We definitely need to have that dialogue, that interaction, that communication. Um, we all, everyone that's still involved and and participating today needs needs to think about that. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. it